You're listening to the Life Center Church Podcast. Are you ready for the word? Open your Bible to Psalm 7841. We're gonna, this is part two of what I started with you uh, two weeks ago. They limited God. We'll conclude with next week's sermon, but um, this is a three-part series. Psalm 7841 says this. Yeah, this is the King James Version, and then I'll read to you the New Living Translation. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Uh, New Living Translation says, Again and again they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray before we get going here. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd open every heart and every life here today. That there be not one person here, whether they've been here for dozens of years or, or, or just came in today, that we would all examine our hearts. Because God, we don't want your curse. We want your blessing in our lives. And as pastor of this body of believers, Lord, this family of God, I, I pray that everyone would be blessed and not cursed. So, Lord, anoint me. Anoint this time. Truly, I'll step aside and pray you go forth and do what only you can through your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we asked a couple of weeks ago, what was the Lord talking about here? What was he saying? And simply this, that they had limited God's provision upon them. He is saying that God wanted to do many great things for them. And, and truly, as you look at the record in the Old Testament, you see that he had done great things for them. Could you imagine if God wanted to do even more, and yet they limited him? It's almost mind-boggling when you think about it, how much more God could have done for them had they walked in accordance with his will for their lives. And I just wonder, when we all think, look at our lives, and we all kind of consider the times when we've walked with him and the blessings came, and the times when we were not truly walking with him, and how the blessings were not there like they used to come, and how many blessings from the Lord himself that we have missed because we have not walked in accordance with his will and his way. I heard a statement a few months, a few weeks ago, because it's, you know, time flies so fast in, in, uh, in this month of uh, January because we went through December so fast, but Christmas was not that long ago. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, and while we're standing in line while shopping, you know, parents, I heard parents say this kind of phrase, if you don't behave, Santa Claus is not going to bring you any, anything. Maybe you heard it. Maybe you said it. And the crazy thing is, after the parents said that to the child, the, 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 their family, their little children, they behaved. They got in order. Because they thought that if they behaved, then Santa was going to bring them good things. These kids believed in Santa Claus, and they believed that he would bring them goodies, and, but, they had, but they had to meet conditions in order to get those goodies, right? Well, our God is not Santa Claus. He's not Santa Claus. 
He's greater than Santa Claus. Uh, that being said, we all want the blessings of God in our life, don't we? Okay, five of us. We all want the blessings of God, don't we? Yes. Everyone here wants the blessings of God in their life. But just wanting them is not enough. Did you hear that? Just wanting the blessing is not enough. The question we have to be confronted with is, are we willing to meet the conditions so that God will bless our lives? Are we willing? When the Secretary of State, and this is very apparent in these days, goes to negotiate with other countries, he or she goes to other countries, and, and they take with them in this political world they, uh, what they call preconditions. Preconditions. He or she says to the country, if you want something from us, you have to meet these conditions. That's been going on forever, friends, no matter what they're saying in, in, in Washington right now. If you want the blessings of America, you must meet our conditions. If you want the blessings of God in our life, God has these preconditions we must meet or else we will have the that we will not have the blessings of God. Those will be off the table. It is not God, because he's not a cruel God, friends. He wants to bless you and me. You know that? He wants to bless you and me. But if we are not following his instructions, we will not be blessed. How could we be? Two weeks ago, I shared with you two things, and I'm going to share with you a couple more things today. But we lack the blessings of God because we lack prayer. We have not because we ask not. And how do you ask? You ask in prayer. But secondly, faith. Just because you say it doesn't mean you have faith to believe it, right? You've got to have faith in God. So there's two more things that I want to share with you this morning. Number one is a lack of maturity. A lack of maturity. The Bible teaches us that we are to be as little children in our faith, just like I held little Judah this morning and I read in Mark's gospel, we are to be, uh, come to him as little children in our faith. That's fully trusting. You know how, how, how a child, when we're, we're in a pool and that little child's standing on the, on the side there and, and you say, jump, and, and they're saying, oh, and daddy will catch you, and you jump and you better catch him or you're going to lose all credibility with that child. And sometimes I think that's us. We sit there, oh God, I don't know if you're going to catch me. I don't know if you're going to catch me. My friends, God's not going to drop you like some of your parents have done with your children. He's going to catch us. Because if you have faith, he, he will be there for you. Amen? Yes, he will be there for you. Children have a, 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 why does he want us mature? God wants us mature. Children are very limited. Limited in what they can do. If God did not give them parents, think about this. They wouldn't go to bed at the right time. Right? No, they wouldn't. Some would not go to school on a regular basis. Don't feel like it today. I'll stay home. Right? 
If they didn't have parents making them go to, go to school, just look at your own life. <laughs> Some of you would not have gone to school a few days out of the week. Just don't feel like it, right? A young boy came late to school one day, and, and his teacher knew that he was usually very prompt. Every day he was there on time and asked him, was anything wrong? The boy replied that he was going to go fishing, uh, but his dad told him he needed to go to school. The teacher was impressed and asked the boy if, if his dad had explained to him why it was more important to go to school than to go fishing. The boy said in reply to him, yes, dad said he didn't have enough bait for both of us. <laughs> you better go to school, kid. Some children would never brush their teeth. I don't know how many times I've told my grandchildren, have you brushed your teeth? If they didn't have parents that made them. Some would never take a bath because, let's face it, it feels better to be grimy and, and, and cruddy, right? As a child, don't want to get washed off. Come on. When it comes to spiritual growth, God wants it, it clear that we are to become mature Christians. Physically, if our children don't grow at a normal pace, what do we do? We rush to the doctor, get blood tests and uh, uh, hormone tests and all this stuff. Why isn't my child growing? And yet, in spiritual sense, why don't we check things out if we're not growing spiritually? Why? If you're not a better Christian today than you were last year, you better be concerned. You're not growing spiritually. If we take the, the failure of a child to grow physically or intellectually seriously, shouldn't we take our spiritual growth just as seriously? We should. A person can be a Christian for many years and yet be spiritually immature. To grow physically, you have to do some things such as eat properly, exercise properly, right? Obey your parents <laughs> properly. And the Bible's clear about that one. And it will go, you'll have a long life if you do that, right? To grow spiritually, you have to do some things too. You have to eat spiritual food. You have to exercise spiritually. Sitting in those chairs week after week is certainly a commendable, commendable. But the problem is not everybody comes week after week. There's always something that gets in the way. Listening to God's word uh, being preached is, a, is great, but if it goes in one ear and out the other ear, you're no better off. We grow spiritually only when we receive the word of God and act according to the word of God. Did you hear that? We hear the word of God, we internalize the word of God, and then we act according to the word of God. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Many today are weak and frail physically and uh, until they start eating nutritious food and begin exercising, they will not grow. But the same way in the physical realm, we as believers, I mean, I'm telling you, there's people that have been saved for 30, 40 years, and they're not as spiritual as somebody who's just gotten saved and gotten into the Word. Let me give you a good example. 
in a book by Ethel Barrett entitled, It Only Hurts When I Laugh. She said that, uh, she tells the story of D.L. Moody when he was a little guy, a young man. He developed such a hunger for the Word of God, spent so much time reading it. He was a young teenager, and, 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 and he so quickly obeyed what the Word of God said that he became a menace to the people in the church. His rapid spiritual growth was an embarrassment to certain people in the church. And even though they had been saved for years and years and years, they never grew in Christ. Week after week in the church, uh, Moody attended. He would share a new experience that he had with the Lord and how the Lord had used him, how the Lord had blessed him, how the Lord had walked him through that week. And, and people just said, what's going on? Finally, some of the older saints couldn't stand the feeling of the humiliation by his exemplary life. They went to Moody's uncle and urged him, quiet down your nephew. Ethel Barrett drew this conclusion about Moody. His robust spiritual health and, and bounding energy disturbed their napping. He was too much. So while they were sucking their thumbs, he was growing until he left them far behind. He grew more in a few years than they had done in 30. Maturity is a choice. Do you want to grow in the Lord? Then you'll read his word. Do you want to grow in the word? Then you'll be part of his church family. Do you want to grow in the Lord? Then you'll act according to his word. You won't pick and choose. Oh, I like this one, but I don't like that one. Just this week, I've been hearing, because uh, we're all concerned about what's going on in Iran, and, and, and I got a couple of reports this week about the church in Iran and what God is doing in the uh, church, and it's, it's just growing exponentially. It's just powerfully growing. But I heard about one couple, they had been saved in Iran and were growing, in the, and somehow they had made their way here and were attending church here, but they were so unhappy with the dedication of the church here that they decided, oh, we're going back to Iran. Even under the, the, the attack of, of, of the Muslims, they're going to live under, in, the, in the underground church because they were more dedicated my friends, when you're afraid that they're going to come in and, 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 and rape your women and kill you and maybe even rape you, you better live this to its fullest, friends. Or you're going to say, give up. I'm going back to the Muslims. It's okay. You don't have to come in here. Do we believe it like that? Do we live this word like that? Oh, God, help us. Maturity is a choice. Many churches are filled with spiritually immature people, and they're wondering, well, why doesn't God bless me? Spiritually immature Christians will often do things that they have no business doing, and they want, want certain things, that, 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 but they won't get because they're spiritually immature. Many churches today are filled with talented people, but many of them, you know the old, old boxing term, have a glass jaw? You know, a boxer might be really good, but hit them in the jaw, they're gone. 
right? Well, I think, I think, I think that there's a lot of Christians that are like that. They can stand in front and, and do all these wonderful things, and yet when there's a hit in their walk, when there's a hit in their life, when there's something bad that comes into their life, they say, forget it, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not walking with Jesus. Look, I, I just stand up here and I, I lead worship or I stand up here and teach us a message and, and this happens in my life. My friends, he didn't promise us a rose garden. He didn't say, come and follow me and I, I'll give you, you know, everything will be flat and, and the garden will be perfect and the lines will be straight and, 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 and the rainbows will be out there and the, and the butterflies will be flying all around you and it'll be happy, 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 happy. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they strengthen me. Amen. You've been through hard times. You've been through difficult times. But those are the things that strengthen you because in those times you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The walls may be falling down. The enemy may be right there on the attack. But I will put my trust in Jesus. Mature Christians will stand firm for the Lord and they will see the deliverance of God. God works through prayer and he works through faith and he works through spiritually mature Christians. But here's a, here's a, a fourth one in the uh, second today, but the fourth of the, those. Lack of godliness. Oh, pastor, why'd you have to say that? 1 Peter 1.16 says this, you must be holy for I am holy. Oh, that rakes against all of a lot of modern Christianity today because, oh, we want to have the best of the church and the best of the world. But God says, we must be holy. What does that mean? We're not of the world, friends. We're not of the world. This probably more than anything I have mentioned has limited God from blessing so many people. We belong to him. As a child of God, we belong, we've been adopted, as we talked about, into his family. Suppose a man is untrue to his marriage vows and his wife finds out. Suppose that even though she has found out about his infidelity, that, that, that he knows that she has found out about it. He wants her to pretend that, that, that he's still true to her when he's not. And wants to have everything normal at home. How well do you think that's going to be? Or that's going to go? How do you think that house will be? I can tell you right up front, things are not going to be well in that house. Because how can you pretend when he's cheating on you? And you know about it. And the things are not good in the house of God because God knows the many are living ungodly lives and want to pretend that they're not. God knows 
they are. And God cannot bless his church until they start living godly lives. If you are not living a godly life before him, he knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows. It is a foolishness on our part to think that God, knowing these things, that he knows that he still wants to bless us and still will bless us? You're fooling yourself. We literally tie the hands of God if we don't live a godly life before him. God wants to bless. God wants to provide. God wants to do incredible things for us. Hallelujah. Incredible blessings upon our lives. But if we're not living for him like we need to be living for him, if we have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, friends, he's not going to bless you the way he wants to bless you. James 4.4 says this, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Sin in the life of a believer is spiritual adultery. It is something we live more, we love more than we love God. And these sins in our lives limit the Holy One of Israel to Bless us the way he wants to. See, God placed Joshua in command of Israel, remember, in the Old Testament? And he wanted to lead them into greater blessings, greater achievements, greater victories. God gave Joshua one command, one command as they went in where ungodly men and women were. Joshua 6.18 says this, Do not take any of the things set apart for destructions. Destruction, or you yourself will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Things haven't changed. Things haven't changed. You want the blessings of God? Don't bring into your camp the destructive things of the world. When they did it God's way, he blessed them. When they did it their way, there was no blessing. God cursed them. You see, as we close this morning, God is like any father. I told you about that in the first sermon. That, that man, that father who loved his son, wanted to bless his son, but he said, I cannot bless him because of the kind of life he's living right now. I wish I could, but I can't. He's tied my hands. Are you limiting God? Are you limiting God from blessing your life? Are you living with one foot in the world and one foot in, in the church? Are you picking and choosing what things you will follow in the word of God? I, 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 you know, I, I'll follow this one, Lord, because that makes sense to me. But this other one, you know, why can't... See, that's the problem in the church today. We have churches that are trying to so-called legalize things of the world into the church. It's crazy. 
I read this week, this week, a church, a prominent, yes, you got it. Denominational, there's the word. Church has brought on to their staff a medium. A medium. She, 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 she has the gift of calling up the dead. Big church. And the church is up in arms because there's enough people in the church saying, but that's not what the word of God says. Friends, if it's happening in the churches, it has had to have happened in people's lives prior to somebody getting up and making those decisions as a church. What I'm saying to you is, where are you today before the Lord? Know that he knows everything that's going on in your life. I don't care how long you've been in the church. If you're not living it like he's declared it to be, if you're not loving his word and living it because you love it, then you're limiting God's blessing upon your life. So I ask you this morning, what needs to change? Will you be honest enough to say, oh, not pastor, but oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. These altars are going to be open right now. Musicians are going to come and they're going to play. And we got some time. We got a few minutes. But the few minutes that you can say, Lord, I confess, he already knows. Yes, he already knows, but he needs you to say, Lord, I spill it out at your feet. I don't want it anymore. I, 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 I'm tired of this missing the perfect will of God in my life. So I'm not going to ask for a hand to be raised. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm just going to say, let's all stand together. And as we start singing, if the Lord is speaking to you, you come and you kneel at these altars. You kneel at these altars and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Thanks for joining us. For more information on Life Center Church and our ministries, visit lifecenterchurch.com.